0: welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I am your host Jamie Spicer and I am here with my lovely co-host
1: Jennifer Spicer.
0: and this is part two of who is failing who.
1: Right and so last, last episode we talked a lot about nutrition, wellness, a little bit of medicine in there and we'll be talking a little bit about the same because I think everything's parallel as we've said you know the body as a whole you got to look at it as a whole and you know we're going to focus on your medical spa treatments or spa treatments or anti-aging treatments, however you want to call it. But the do's and don'ts and ways and tips and tricks to get the most bang for your buck and do what is best for where you're putting your money.
0: Right. And so I know we're going to be talking a lot about the spa side. So this is your expertise side on this. And I'm a terrible patient when it comes to all this stuff.
1: Yes, like, you actually do all the things wrong that we're going to talk about.
0: Right. So <laughs> I'm just like kidding. I can't even follow directions on three steps of putting on That's not skincare. So I'm do all
1: right. I'm really kidding. He's actually you you do very well. You do very well. Right. And you try really hard. And he absolutely hates all of it. Our estheticians can attest to it. He even hates facials because for those of you that don't know, Jamie is like Goldilocks, everything has to be just right. So the right temperature can't be too cold, can't be too hot. He doesn't like any pain, even though he has no problem inflicting pain on his training clients or even nutrition clients or even myself, no I'm just kidding. But um, you're just you're a good um, doer, just not a good acceptor. But I will be honest, as a nurse injector, even us and the other nurses, we, we have to be in the right headspace to get some things done.
0: I would just like to say that I'm an A personality type. I just (laughs) seems like to be precise since the name of the company precision,
1: (laughs) you know, and side note for those that don't know, which I think is ironic and fates and divine intervention, but the new phrase in medicine now is called precision medicine. So it fits it because that's a growing part of our practice. And it's just means precise medicine for the individual.
0: Well, I'm just a visionary, and I just foresee <laughs> things. You know. Okay. I'm a leader in the industry. Let's just
1: say that. <laughs> then why don't you know what I'm thinking or what <laughs> I need? No, I'm just kidding. That's
0: you're a female and it's impossible. <laughs> All
1: right. All right. So we digress. Let's dive right into it. You know, I really want to make sure that people really do know how to stack their treatments, what to do, what not to do, and really how to get the most for your anti-aging regimen. And I would say that one big mistake that people make is not giving themselves, you know, the right timing for their injectables. So, you know, if you have a big event coming up you wait last minute to get your Botox or your fillers, you're, you're just setting yourself up for failure. One, it takes time for neurotoxin to kick in. It takes 10 to 14 days. I recommend ideally six weeks before a big event for any neuromodulators or neurotoxins, because it takes the 10 to 14 days. You want to leave room for a tweak. You know, if you need a tweak, like an eyebrow is going too high or something like that, then you need another 10 to 14 days for that to kick in. So it's just really ideal to give yourself a little bit of time, not too much time because it does peak. Most people think it peaks at three months. It actually starts to peak at two months. And then it just takes another four weeks for the rest of the movement to come back. So if somebody, you know, I have a lot of people thinking, oh, it doesn't work on me because I start seeing a little bit of movement at two and a half months. That's just simply not true. You're a faster metabolizer. Which brings me to my next point, if you are a stressed out person or someone that likes to train, or if you're someone that is on hormone replacement therapy, or if you got sick or had surgery, you are going to metabolize neuromodulators and some other things faster. So one tip that I give all patients is to make sure that you have um, adequate zinc levels. Zinc helps neurotoxin activate and stay a little bit longer. When you start depleting of the micronutrients, you are actually going to burn through it faster. Another thing is not um, staying consistent with your stuff. So, you know, Tammy, our other nurse injector taught me a phrase that, you know, she says to her patients and that's, you have to keep the gas tank full, you know, don't let it get completely empty. It's much cheaper and much easier to fill it from a half a tank than from an empty take. If you are doing things like neuromodulators or fillers and you let them completely go back down to zero, you're actually not going to progress because if you have a set in line which we call a static line so if you have 11s that are there at rest it's basically like you have folded a piece of paper over time and time again that crease isn't going to go away but if you stay up on your neuromodulators and allow the skin to kind of regenerate and you're using other modalities to induct collagen you can actually reverse that wrinkle, so it's very important to stay consistent and to you know have good timing planned, so you're not failing at that. And then also, what the expect expectation is versus reality. A lot of times, I have people that come in with very thin lips and they want to look like Angelina Jolie. It simply isn't going to happen. You know, we can do the best we can. We can do things over time, and just like with nutrition and, and you know exercise, like you said in the last episode, Jamie. It's a marathon, not a race you you're not going to have this overnight, you know, especially if you're really wanting to change structure, or if you have set and wrinkles, or you have a huge deficit in fat pads like you're starting a little later in the game is what I guess I'm trying to say. You've got to be realistic that it's going to take some time and you want it to take some time and you want the provider to be honest with you that, you know, we're going to be working together for a little while and we're going to have a long lasting relationship. And in the end, that's going to yield better and safer results. Because if you try to do too much at once, you're just asking for a complication and people don't really realize the risks that comes with injectables like fillers and things. You really need to make sure that whoever you're going to knows anatomy inside and out and knows the products that they're using because, I've seen it around here. There's nurses that are doing this because they are fed up with healthcare and that I can relate to, but it doesn't mean that they're passionate about it. So when you have someone that's not passionate about it, then, you know, you're not really, your head's not really in the game. We all know when you care versus when you don't care and you just take a little extra time and they're putting fillers that aren't meant for the lips and the lips. They've had to be surgically removed. But in addition to that, what's really more dangerous is that you can cause Blindness, stroke, you know, and tissue necrosis, which is tissue no death. fall off. Yeah. I mean, it's just not worth it. It's right. not worth it for saving a couple of bucks. It's, I mean, it's your face. Well,
0: not only that, but you know, how do you know they're not diluting it down for that price point? Oh, and, they, and that you know, happens. And then, you know, I know I've seen you get aggravated because I know you've seen them like drinking. Oh, yeah. You know, so kind of going in, like when someone comes in for an appointment for like, and injectables, like I know you have a list of things to stop or don't do prior to come in. Like Mm -hmm. what are those things?
1: So that's a very good topic. Thank you. So, you know, it's really important. I mean, the face is one of the most vascular places on the body. I can't tell you how many times patients are like, Oh my God, am I going to bruise today? Because I have a big event tonight. I have that anatomical face that Kevin sees drew that actually another nurse Connie Brennan has as a teaching tool. And it shows the vascular chair of the face. I mean, the, there's veins and arteries everywhere. And so I just tell my patients, I mean, you know, you're going to think I'm that much better when I don't, because look at what I'm, you know, look at what I'm dealing with here, you know, underneath the, your beautiful skin, I, you've got vessels everywhere. So plan for bruising and what, what that I ask people to stop drinking alcohol to stop blood thinners if possible. And I mean like ibuprofen, aspirin, if you're on, you know, Coumadin and Eliquis, you you know, you have to stay on those for medical reasons and we can work around that. Um, Also, you know, dark leafy greens and ginkgo biloba that also, causes your blood to become a little bit thinner. So it's best to stop those. It's best to not drink too much caffeine the day of, or if you take anything like Adderall or a stimulant to make sure you maybe try to wait to take that until after your appointment. And then you can pregame with Arnica tablets, you know, start those about five days out. And that really helps you. It helps to not bruise. I mean, sometimes it's honestly just inevitable, And so I just always ask patients to plan for it because I would rather have them be prepared and be happier when they don't versus not be prepared and, you know, be annoyed with me when they do.
0: What about omegas? I I think I've heard you say yes.
1: omegas because they thin the blood.
0: Correct. Yeah. So stop
1: those if you can.
0: Right. Was that like with everything, uh, Botox and fillers or more specific to fillers?
1: Well, so you can bruise with both. Um, most of the time fillers cause a little bit more bruising, but anytime we have a needle in the face, you can bruise. So yeah. yeah, I would say if you're worried about bruising, if you're someone that cares about bruising, then I would stop that.
0: Okay, Good. Um, so let's kind of go on. What else did you want to talk about here? What are some other tips, anything with skincare?
1: Yes, absolutely. So it's very important to make sure if you're doing anything corrective. So what I mean by that, like acne, anti-aging, um, pigment like melasma, sun damage, rosacea, anything that involves deeper peels, as well as lasers and microneedling, you really need to make sure that you're not going to be doing that before you're going to be out in the sun. And yes, you might be wearing a hat and some sunscreen, but still those procedures like IPL and all of that, they make your body more sensitive to light. So you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for more damage. You're literally wasting your money. I remember in aesthetic school, I had, um, You know, one of the examples that the teachers gave is that this girl came in for a facial and when she came in, she was very red and the esthetician figured out that she had literally just left a tanning bed. Like why do that? You know, I'm not saying that we don't need sunlight. I'm an advocate for sunlight just safely, but just be aware of what you might be doing. For example, if you're a smoker, I know that it might be hard not to smoke, but you really want to be careful with these lifestyle habits that you have when you're deciding to make the commitment to invest in your face, in other areas of the body, when it comes to anti-aging, because the stuff isn't cheap. If it's good, it's not cheap is what I should say.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, now I know like there's times too, like certain medicines, Mm -hmm. you know, was that one of the things we're going to talk
1: about? Well, I think you already brought that up for me. Um, so, you know, with, With doing pre post care. So like if you have certain things that you want to be doing, make sure that you're doing the pre care stuff that I talked about, make sure you're not disobeying the post care rules, because those are those are set in place for a reason. Because, for example, if you got Botox and then you go outside and you get really hot or you work out or you sit in a sauna in that first 24 hours, you could essentially wash the neurotoxin away. Um, So it's really important, you know, not to go work out excessively right after, even after filler, because you're going to induce more swelling. And actually, I tell patients if they're getting filler, they need to be by me, like within the state, within driving distance for a minimum of 48 hours after. So I can help them if there was an um a vascular occlusion or event that needs my help. Because if they leave, I can't help them. And unfortunately, pretty much every ER is not equipped to help someone with a cosmetic procedure you know, complication, they don't have it, they don't know the protocol.
0: Right. Now, I think I've, I've seen you talk about times where like, you've had stuff done, and you, you can't sleep on one side of your, yes. you know, don't sleep on, you always make sure you're sleeping on your back. Like, you, I see you push all these pillows around, you, say you can't <laughs> roll anywhere, you know?
1: <laughs> yes, and- I think the romance, the romantic part is gone, because I have like sleep pads. And, you know, I sleep, Very specifically to try not to age my face. But yes, it is important, especially if you are a side sleeper, chances are you needed more product on that one side. So it's really important not to smash your face into a pillow. And, you know, bringing up the medicine stuff, I want to talk about medical grade skincare. You know, if you're getting all of these in office procedures and you're not using medical grade skincare or you're listening to too many people, I can't tell you how many patients I have that all of a sudden their skincare regimen is multiplying because they see something on Instagram or Facebook, um, they're using the wrong skincare or too many, you know, caustic things that are damaging their skin. I like to use the analogy that it's like going to the dentist and not brushing your teeth. You know, you're spending all of this money, time and investment. And I'm not saying that you need to have thousands of dollars worth of skincare. But you really want to make sure that what you're using on your face every single day is what's best suited for your skin doesn't create allergies. Like when we use face reality here and we go into a very in-depth assessment, you know, Ginger, our esthetician will go through, you know, supplements and all that. And I say that because she spearheads the face reality. All of the estheticians do it. But what you're ingesting on the inside, what you're putting on your face, the environment that you live in is all going to affect your skin.
0: And I'll add the fact that, you know, if you're pounding away at sugar Mm -hmm. and high inflammatory foods and you wonder why your skin continues to break out and you have hormonal issue breakouts, well, you're you're contributing to the problem with poor eating patterns.
1: Right. Or like, say you have hormonal breakouts and you've tried everything under the sun topically. You know, you need someone in this field to be like, hey, you know, I feel like I'm not doing you, you know, we're not moving, we're not progressing. So let's take a bigger look, a, a deeper look and into what you're eating, maybe get some blood work figure that out or not. Maybe you should, because there's something else going on and your skin does tell a story. It, it literally is face mapping. So you could be having an underlying condition, like cardiac stuff will show up in the corners of the eyes. You know, hormones is usually jawline. Your GI system is usually the corners of the mouth. Your liver is usually your forehead or like wine and dine is like your T-zone area. Your face will tell you what's going on. You know, remember your friend, your very good friend, um, He had terrible rosacea forever. And then he found out he was allergic to peanut butter and not in the normal way where he had, you know, trouble breathing or an anaphylactic uh, response, but it was literally causing him rosacea and he ate peanut butter every day. He had no clue, but his face was telling him. And like, you know, you, we've talked about like, keratosis pilaris, which is the bumps on the back of your arm that can be from a food sensitivity. So, or hormonal imbalance. So just remember like what we talked about in the nutrition series or episode of this series, your body is trying to tell you something. Your skin is trying to tell you something. So don't always look at it from a vanity perspective and that's okay if you do, but remember there might be something else going on that we could help you treat.
0: Right. And I think that's why, you know, me and you, you know, when we first started dating and everything, you know, one of the big things we always talked about is how comparable are to, you mm-hmm. know, are what we do combines each other, you know? Right. And that's like when one of our estheticians has an issue and they're dealing with hormonal issues, they can just send them across to my side. We can have them meet with a dietitian and we can get blood work. And I'll give you. Give the If anybody's out there listening and you're a dietitian, I mean, a, I'm sorry, an esthetician, not dietitian. If you're in an aesthetic world, I would highly, highly recommend that you go find a dietitian to team up with. Someone you could refer out to to help address their your client's eating habits. That's going to help work with you to get them the best skin that they can have. Because just keep throwing new skincare at them or selling them skincare and not getting them the result at some point, they're going to end up getting frustrated and end up leaving.
1: That is absolutely correct. And that's a very good point because I, I remember when I got into aesthetic school, I got into aesthetic school because I had terrible acne and I didn't know how to eat at all. And people don't realize that dairy creates thicker secretions. So when I mean that, like we have sebum and oil that we produce, you know, milk, dairy, things like that will thicken that as well as complex carbohydrates. So, and refined carbs. So like um, breads, pastas, sugars, things like that. They change the actual consistency of your own body's natural lubrication. Mix that, you know, make it, if you have the genetics because acne is genetic and it's actually hypercarinatization which means that your skin cells shed at a more rapid rate than that 28 day cycle that they're supposed to because everything's on a 28 day cycle in the body for whatever reason, but like, and from a female perspective but if you have hyperactive skin cell shedding, Combining that with thicker secretions, you're asking for congestion clogging, which is type one acne. And then a lot of times what happens is either inflammation is causing the cystic acne or your body starting to see the comedones or congestion as an inflammatory, like an an invader, and they're trying to push white blood cells to push it out. So you, you really have to understand what the cause is, get to the root of the problem, or you're just going to chase your tail. For example, melasma. For those of you that don't know, melasma is that pregnancy mask. It's that diffused brown pigment. It's not sun damage. It's almost like a diffused brown pigment, usually on the forehead, the upper lip, and across the cheeks. Women will get it on birth control or postpartum during pregnancy whatever, but that can be related to estrogen, not going down one of the right pathways. There's three pathways that estrogen goes down. There are simple things like dim, which dim helps. It's not an estrogen blocker, but it's made from cruciferous vegetables and it helps dim go down the safer pathway and and gets methylated better. But, you know, there's just conversations like that where getting to the cause is just really going to help a lot more,
0: you know, and even all the way back to, like, you know, again, I know you experienced this thing, you know, if an esthetician or someone doesn't have someone they can refer out to, to diagnose what's going on, someone like let's, you know, HRT is a really big thing now. And like if a female goes on like a sublingual or something like that, like your lymphatic system got clogged up and you started breaking out through your neckline and jawline and stuff like that. So again, you know, you're the people that you're going to that you're trusting with your money and your skin and your health make sure they're knowledgeable and have resources if they can't figure it out they have resources they can send you to
1: well yeah that was crazy and i don't know really if it got if it clogged my lymphatic system but you have a lot of lymph nodes in that underneath the jaw like the submentum area and i still like to this day ever since doing those sublinguals um, which really didn't help me at all, and I do genetically have low hormones. Um, it just caused crazy acne, and I had to go get the Doppler done because I had that one nodule in my my lymph nodes, and it's it's bananas. But um, you know that you brought me to another point. We stop losing collagen after the age of twenty five drastically, but women, especially, I mean, we really just get shortchanged every which way when it comes to men because our collagen is different. But once women hit menopause and estrogen is no longer present. Everything starts to degradate. So not only that's why osteoporosis happens, things just start to break apart after menopause or in menopause, it's nearly impossible to get collagen. It's just gone. So you really want to make sure that you're not just doing fillers and doing Botox, but that you're inducting collagen, that you're doing regular skincare treatments, that you're using the right skincare, because it's just kind of silly just to do one thing and not the other because you could have a frozen forehead or, you know, frozen crow feet, crow's feet, but your skin could still look old. And I mean that with all due respect, but you really just want to make sure that you're doing things in a comprehensive, full focused approach. Right.
0: And since we're on the collagen topic, since you are trying to restore collagen in the skin as we lose it, what are the things that you can do um, because the breaking down of their natural collagen?
1: to help prevent it. So, um, it's really hard to prevent it. I mean, there are jury jury. Well,
0: well, I know, I, I guess I'll clarify. No,
1: I, I know. I think I know what you're saying, like to okay. help produce more. So, well, let's talk about both. So ways to help preventing yourself from losing collagen, decreasing inflammation that can be dietary stress related, you know, making sure you have good sleep hygiene, um, making sure you're going out in the sun with protection on, Um, I am an advocate for getting natural sunlight, but making sure your face is always protected because it's about repeated exposure. So those two things are really going to speed up the decline in collagen. Um, Also, in addition, doing too many med spot treatments, like too many peels, you know, back in the day, they would do really aggressive peels and our skincare treatments over and over again. and, And people do it in excess and people started to look waxy. That's because they produced too much of the wrong type of collagen. There's actually, I think five types of collagen and one and three are the best for, for skin and being young and healthy and looking young and healthy. If you have too much scar tissue collagen, it's actually not how you want to look because it's not, it's not the right way. Um, and that can happen also from things like acne. So acne is an inflammatory thing. I'm actually working through that now today, the nurses just did sculpture on me, which is a way to induce collagen. So okay. yesterday I had a microneedling radio frequency,